Welcome, 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 show that comes to you once a week, giving you all the news you need to get you ready for the Hollywood week that is, and covering the Hollywood week that was. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW, coming to you on a Tuesday once again, and not on a regular Monday, because we wanted to get in Game of Thrones coverage once more for you all. Uh, I am your co-host, Mike Juan. This is co-host also Mike. Also Mike here. We got a lot to cover. Game of Thrones off the bat. We got a Spider-Man Far From Home trailer that dropped on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So again, Tuesday, it's kind of working out for us right now. We're, we're able to cover some uh, breaking news rather than recording it on a Sunday afternoon. That Spider-Man trailer came from nowhere, right? There was no warning. That no you saw. warning. Yeah. Just dropped on us. Uh, I, I'm on my Twitter feed and then boom. Yeah. So that works out, yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, we wanted to do Tuesday again just because last week's Game of Thrones was such a big deal. Uh, we know everyone's watching it, so we're going to figure we'd do it again this week. And like Mike said, it just happened to work out that Spider-Man Far From Home was released as well this morning on Monday morning. So we're going to cover it all. We'll start with what we're watching, Michael. Yeah, I watched No. The- <clears throat> Give me the theme song. <laughs> I watched a lot of stuff this week. <laughs> yes. And this is what we're watching. He went like Aaron Neville there a little bit. <laughs> All right, very good. Uh, let's talk about lead off here, what everyone was watching. Let's talk about Game of Thrones, Mike. Season 8, episode 4, a big deal. And I, I'm surprised that, you know, coming off that last episode, which is a huge battle, mm. the $100 million battle or whatever it's called right now by all the fans. Mike, uh, I had a few issues off the bat. Number one, army sizes. How are there this many people left? It looked like four guys. You said there was only like a thousand left after the Battle of Winterfell, but there was, yeah, there was a huge army left for there, the. Uh, there's a huge amount of people yeah. left, so that's good, I guess. But I didn't see that. Like they're really skimping on the extras budget right now. <laughs> and this is nothing new for Game of Thrones. They've done this before. Okay. So calling back to first season. I guess where they it had, is a kingdom, so you know, it yeah. Should be a they had a tourney in the first season with like 15 people there, and it was right. supposed to be the whole kingdom. Right. And tourneys are literally put on for the whole kingdom. <laughs> this is history, Michael. <laughs> so I had a few issues with that. Look, uh, how some characters aren't dead at the end of the the episode in that final scene that bothered me as well. Like what one character is like they just everybody put their arrows on him and then why wouldn't they shoot him right then and there he's easy pickings respect respect i guess, I guess. there's a dragon involved yeah. like the dragon can charge so i guess that's these fine. these dragons by the way are the biggest pussies in the history these of fantasy these dragons are not doing well <laughs> like we thought these dragons they get taken out yeah. by like tiny arrows now, now. <laughs> to be fair there are like five or six seasons in the middle that you did not watch no i yeah i'm taking this Stone cold from just these episodes. And the, the dragons were beasts and they were crushing it for six seasons. They fucking get flicked and they fall out of the sky and die. <laughs> yeah, they do lately. <laughs> lately, uh, which is sad and a spoiler, but uh, we're going to not spoil so much of this. So we're going to allude to it. Listen, it, rule yeah. of thumb, no spoilers. But when you have a mystical beast that's a pussy, I get to make fun of it. You made fun of it. There you go. Uh, this is an episode with some heartbreaks and... 
one of those is a great hookup that happens. All right, so let's talk about that because I, I was bored to tears in this episode. And I know it's because I don't have the look. There's, your opinion doesn't matter. Right I, it's a story it building really, episode, and I have no attachment yeah, to these characters. You're, you're, so, yeah. I'm sorry. Obviously, obviously, I'm out of my depth. So explain to me what the uh, was this like a, a year's worth of sexual tension between these two? There characters? There was a, a more than one year. Okay. It's, I mean, literally six years worth of sexual tension. Okay. And it, we thought it culminated in the episode previous. Right. So to get this cherry on top, wow, that pun yeah. was not intended. <laughs> I was just going to say. That pun was not <laughs> intended. But to get this on top of it all was incredible. And it was the, one of the most unlikely pairings. What I've loved about Game of Thrones so far is you have these characters that should not be on the road together. And there was a buddy road trip comedy between those two characters for an entire season and a half-ish. And it was wonderful, and it was hilarious, Good. and it was really uh, so. It was fan moving. It was fan servicey to the nines, but then it really works at the end. I think, and it sets up this. It the creates final tension. Conflict. Yeah, it certainly is, is a means for attention there. For this character, it sets up the the final conflict. So that's great. I do want to say, Bran really, really, really sucks. He's terrible. He's <laughs> <laughs> so boring. I love how he's like. <laughs> I don't want anymore. Slowly pull him away from the table, <laughs> backing up. That's like I really just dislike him. I I'm sorry. What is his? Is he a wizard? Like what is his importance? He was bait. He that's was, but like does he serve any right purpose? now? His importance for seven years of buildup is that he was bait, and it was is very important. What that makes he was bait. him more baity than any other human though? It, it, it has to do with his powers, which you don't know about, obviously. And we still don't know what his powers are? We know what his powers are, yeah. When he makes crows fly, is that his powers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you coming to this so late is hilarious. It's going to be like me going into the under... So what is it? He could sit up? Right. Yeah, I understand. I sound like a jackass. He could sit up after not sitting exactly. up for a long time. Right. Yeah. But that's how Michael Myers does that. Right. I get it. I, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, all right. It's crows fly. It's fucking hysterical. The crows, they fly. They don't do anything. Right. But yeah, no, I get how you could, would see that based on the last battle. That's really funny. Uh, the But the character moments are perfect in this. After the battle, I love the, uh, the funeral. It's sad. And then you have... You know them somber eating and then drinking and then drinking I games. I they would have been more happy, more happiness. Well, to go it builds around. up to that yeah. point, but you can't go from there to just you know, ri- or, you know, what is the word? Rivalry. Rivalry is rivalry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> rivalry. Thank you. I, I also yeah. don't understand the power struggle they're trying to paint. Again, it's, I'm I'm taking it from a guy that's watched no episodes, but why does it seem like everyone everyone is convinced because that John and Daenerys can't rule it's together? It's a story with two heroes. It's a story with two heroes, and the two heroes have been having these dueling stories, literally of ice and fire. Okay. And there's one throne, and they both have this sense so of why destiny, is even though John doesn't against admit them, it. Then, them ruling together? Because they, all right, they we're spoiling the shit out of this. They're related. She is his aunt. Right. I, I get that. I, I I follow that. And in the Judeo-Christian religion that we're, our society is based on, let's just say, incest is fr- more than frowned upon. It is, you know, we're against One it. of the biggest protagonists of this episode. Yes, I agree. Was Which, banging his sister at bad one point. Guy. He was a bad guy during that time. And he that was his heel turn at the beginning of the series. And it kind of, you know, he's, he, now he's shades of gray. Okay, but isn't this whole, isn't incest a giant 
part of the show throughout eight seasons? So uh, Varys and Tyrion, I thought they, you know, they nailed it perfectly. I mean, Varys is like, well, John's not going to go for that. Danny would, John won't. So we have a situation where it's never going to work because John is so stubborn. He's notoriously stubborn and honorable right. and loyal because and of they who did his a good father job of is. Pacing that this episode too, because of who is, he always thought his right. father was. Wow, we just spoiled the hell out of it. We're going to have to say spoilers for Game of Thrones eight <laughs> four. Right? Well, the only here. people there's not. I can't imagine there's a lot of people like me out there that are just diving into this. At, you know, you may have to go back in and re-edit or listen to our show notes, folks, because <laughs> or listen to it, read our show notes. I'll, we'll tell you when the spoilers stop so i'm glad we're right <laughs> off the top here but you, you're right it it it's it might seem weird for you off the bat because they're so attractive the both of them <laughs> well, they, yes there's those, that yeah and it really should happen you know based on but even taking the incest out of it okay explain why can't they just why can't it be an aunt and a nephew ruling oh just not married sure why can't they just be the heads of the kingdom it could, but he's already bent the knee. But she, but then again, she's just so willful, and she's proven this for eight years that it, Varys is like, and he says it. She's like, the hill, John will never co-rule because she will just overpower him, and she has to this point. So and she will going forward. As a longtime Game of Thrones watcher, does this end with one of them killing the other? I don't think so. I think it'll get close. Okay. I still think Danny has a great dilemma. I mean, do, what do you do? You burn all these civilians and take your control, or do you risk it all and not and, and do something else? Like, do we have to go SEAL Team Six on Cersei, which I think is coming down the road? I think they have to, based on what happened yeah. last night, right? But are you going to use Arya twice as a SEAL Team Six? Uh, no, know, I would say just burn it smoking all. Smoking gum. Oh, you want? Yeah, go go for it. You don't know these characters. No, I, like I have I do. no attachment to them. Just kill them. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a fucking big battle I could see for once. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a good point of the. But what did you think of that surprise? That was a big surprise with the dragon. Obviously, well, they've done that so many times. They set us up beautifully because usually that's just a, ba- a dragon flying CGI glory moment, right? And then, boom, gets hit once, twice, three times. It took an army. I guess this is still spoilers. It took, like, an army of those White Walkers to take down, literally an army, climbing on that one dragon to take him. This one was shot down by two metal arrows. So the metal arrows were used in previous seasons, and they were ineffective, and they've since souped up the metal arrows. Okay. I like that arc, that the metal, of the metal arrow arc, that they actually figured out a way to make them extraordinary and effective. Storytelling-wise... So the first two that are shot are direct hits, and then a barrage of well, them? No, there's a barrage of them when they shot at it. They all shot at once, and then they reloaded quickly. And then the other dragon can fly through all of them with no problem. The other dragon got a little lucky. I guess. Okay, if that's how you're going to explain it. I, I don't know. I, it was kind of weak for me. Like, oh, okay, so I guess that dragon's dead. <laughs> Just yes. out of nowhere. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it happens in war. And I mean, isn't... It, she only attack. had three, right? And she now had she three. had the, she the had, one went to the White Walker. One. Yeah. All right. Scary. That's still an ace in the hole, though. I guess it's a smart storytelling. Yeah, there. but it, now the dragon is vulnerable. So, like, they're totally feeling themselves way too much. They should have took a rest or something. I was surprised I mean, they were so confident, saying like, "Oh, this is there's no problem. Of course, we're going to win." She can bring reinforcements from the Iron Islands. She can bring okay. uh, the. Uh, Glovers can come and help. She has a whole city that she built up. She can bring the second sons over. Just an army of Donald and Danny Glovers. She has an army of 
of really hot, uh, bearded guys that are, I, I was going to say hot bearded guys, they are hot bearded guys, <laughs> Freudian slip, and th- she could have that army of bearded guys to go against the gold-plated beard, uh, non-bearded guys. These Tuesday, it's like the Yankees versus the Red Sox. These Tuesday MMOWs are going to end with, in a really, uh, a really meta way, you're going to just bang your aunt. But Mike, <laughs> I, think, I think the audience would have an issue if they just went like full-blown romance between the two of them, and it's just like, let's go. I, I again, I don't have an attachment to it, so I can't really say why or why not. But it just seems bizarre to me that like incest is fine for seven and three quarter seasons. They're the bad guys. Oh, who gives a shit? It's this like ten thousand, one thousand. The bad guys give in to the incest. <laughs> the twin sets. Fine. <laughs> the good guys. Um, yeah. So so it was a good episode for fans. Oh my god. Yeah. Good. I mean, it turned out to be an incredible episode, and I was I was wondering if if it was gonna be or not when it, the way it started. But yeah. Good. Brian almost ruins it all the episodes. He sucks. He, just he sucks, sucks so hard. He sucks, and he doesn't suck for the reasons he. Everybody wanted to get mad at me for telling you he sucks. He sucks because his dialogue sucks, because his acting sucks. That's why he sucks. Kyle Mooney, I think, played Bran in the cold open for SNL this week. <laughs> it was a family feud of the Avengers versus nice uh, versus. Game of Thrones, and it was funny. So uh, good. <laughs> that, that you watched the SNL, so that was good. I did. I watched most of it because I'm a huge Adam Sandler. Mark, we've talked about this before, and I, he was great. I'm surprised how many people keep getting surprised by the Chris Farley tribute. Right. Like it's been out there for a while, but every time he plays it, he released. It, he did his 100% fresh when it came out. Yeah. It didn't get a lot of play. Then he released it as a single, whether he did or Netflix did. Got a huge response, yeah. as if nobody saw 100% fresh. I get that. We and then loved he, it on 100%. Yeah, we, fresh, we were. We it's were a great song. It's very touching, very heartfelt. But I, I guess I'm just like, why aren't people see? So he did it again on the SNL stage, and it like got this whole second life again of people acting like they've never seen it before. I just don't understand it. It's been out there for a while, but good. I'm glad people are getting around to it. So I heard the episode started off slow, but it got better as it went on. I just watched a, cu- a couple of clips on uh, YouTube. Or on, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen the whole thing. I only watched a, a few things myself. But oh, okay. uh, Opera Man came back, which was really fun to see after good. so many. It's really weird because like SNL, I guess to us anyway, at least how I think of it, you think of like. Like Kristen Wiig, Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. Sandler and Schneider and Spade and all those guys are like early 90s SNL. So sure. they're like a couple generations removed. Which we grew up on. That right. Was, that was our the, SNL. Yeah, and the reruns on Comedy Central especially, yeah. Yep. But they're so far removed from the current cast that it's almost like a bridging of, of gaps between the current generation and the generation we never really see right. on the S. Like the people that come back to SNL, Maya Rudolph, you know, Andy Sandberg, it's yep. all like the 2000s, late 2000s cast. We never really see the early 90s guys anymore and i was shocked to learn that sandler just has never really gone no back and for he any said reason. this is this is something again i'm a huge sandler fan he said on a couple podcasts that norm mcdonald like asked him why he hasn't gone back to host once and he was like why would i go back i have nothing to say i would do nothing there i felt like i've accomplished everything and so i'm wondering i tweeted this too so i'm sorry yeah. to repeat my tweets but i'm wondering if the farley song and being able to do that on the SNL stage was his kind of motivating factor. Like, okay, I finally have something I feel like I can say That's and good. add to the conversation. That's ex- Yeah, that, that that makes some sense. And uh, uh, I'm glad he came back finally. It's a nice yeah, little reunion. it was really cool. They must really have had cool. all those skits safe for a while. Or if Sandler ever comes back, let's do a Sandler family. Right. Uh, it was great. It was great. Yeah. Mustafia Senior, I think, is going to be huge. She played uh, uh, the water boy character there. Yeah. Uh, she's going to be <laughs> nice. awesome. She's a great impressionist. But yeah, Chris Rock was there during his monologue, and they Love sang about being fired yeah i loved her in crashing too by the way but uh, she wasn't crashing yeah what she, was she she was at the uh 
the comedy con or whatever. And she talked. Uh, yes, 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 yeah. yes, 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 yes. She's great. She is great. Yes. Uh, I'm caught up with Barry on HBO. I am dying to start that. I it, haven't started. It is. I know Bill Hader like. and Henry Winkler, but especially Bill Hader. It, he is just such a good actor, which right. I really didn't see coming. And this is basically a drama series, but that's that's cosplaying as a comedy. But mm-hmm. he, at certain points in this season, has to play an, an amateur actor that's not good, that becomes good. And to watch a great actor like Hader play these different steps in the process of becoming a good actor it's really it's a, it's meta but it's so wild to see because he's so believable henry winkler is astounding i think those two not that we know much about emmys or at least i certainly don't right but those two have to run away with with emmys this year for their performances but you're saying it's not as funny as it is i mean it's a drama it's, anymore it's more than... it's heavy man i mean it's wow. super heavy there's definitely you laugh out loud it's a parts. comic premise right though, i mean it is a, it is a sitcom but it but there's some heavy darkness in here too. Wow. It's great. I really highly recommend Barry. I rewatched X Men Apocalypse. It is absurd. <laughs> uh, it is not a great movie, but I will stand for the X Men anytime. I just don't understand why he needs like a team of just guys, like the bad guy. Why does he need a team? Well, it's in the comic. The Four Horsemen are apocalypses. Fine. He doesn't need a team. <laughs> he doesn't need one. He would. He would just get so much further without a team. I'll tell you what. It would be. I, I, I don't like the whole Disney conglomerate thing going on, yeah. but since we're here anyway, if we can get all these villains, like if we can combine Thanos with Apocalypse, with Mr. Sinister, since they're all going to be under, under the Disney umbrella anyway, all the Spider-Man bad guys, hopefully, if Sony ever releases those rights outright, yeah. I would like to see like a, a, a villain, a Marvel villain universe where they all interact, some kind of TV show, maybe something for the streaming service. That would be cool because I, I couldn't help but watching this the whole time. I'm like... In the comics, who's more powerful, Apocalypse or Thanos? And I don't know the answer to that. I assume it would be Thanos, but Thanos has also been portrayed as much more powerful throughout the movie, so maybe you, I'm biased. You want a battle for Earth between two uh, vi- supervillains like that. Or maybe they all just work in like, the same office building. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to know who the mail care- uh, mailroom guy is. <laughs> well, the MCU, Mike, they like their com- <laughs> action comedies. Yeah. Uh, I watched Steve Jobs again. Yes, My God. You tweeted a lot about this. This is this movie is so good it is good it's so good you said you've seen it a billion times i have i have seen it probably 30 times but i watched it in like a year 30 times i would literally fall asleep to it every night and i usually stay up half the time and then i was doing something like almost like a podcast i would put it on on the side Mm. and do my work because i just love the rhythms of the dialogue that's exactly what it is and that's an Aaron sorkin script as well i don't understand how it only got nominated for two oscars that year in 2016 it didn't win any fastbender is a gem. Kate Winslet is a gem. The dialogue is unbelievable. Jeff Daniels brings heat throughout yes. the, the crux of those, that biggest scene scenes, there. My, just an unbelievable. You could see there's certainly criticisms to be had with it. It does all play way too conveniently that all of this happens to happen yeah. just in the backstage of the lead ups to these big events. I get that, True. but my lord, is this a screenplay so tight and, and witty and unbelievable? I loved it too. Anything else, Mike? Uh, just to finish up here, I watched The Letter via at Maria D's. She, she suggested I was looking for an old uh, old movie to watch. Uh, Maria, M-R-M-A-R-I-E. 
A, I can't speak, M-A-R-I-A underscore D-E-E-S suggested the letter, which is an old uh, Betty Davis movie. It was great. It was really good. She got nominated for an Oscar for it. Uh, I highly recommend it if you're a film of any kind of noir. It's got an ending that I didn't see coming, but you kind of feel it in the moment. Great, great suggestion. I highly appreciate it, Marie. I got a lot of suggestions on that chain of looking for old movies, so I'm going to work my way through those. So basically, she's writing a letter for two hours, and then she just doesn't send it? Is that the movie? Not at all. (laughs) Not even close, but that's a good guess the plot. Um, I also rewatched Inside Man, uh, the old Spike Lee movie there. Cool. Not as good as I I remember. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I I was expecting more, and I got like an 83, 84. Really? I thought it'd be like a high B. Yeah. I am shocked to hear that. Me because too. I remember I was surpri- really enjoying Same that here. movie. Same here. I was really surprised. Um, not that it's awful by any means, but it's... it's just that shakes me a little bit, yeah. though. I, I, when's the last time you've seen it? I know you're a big fan years. of it. Years. Yeah. Probably 12 years. Honestly. What happened to Clive Owen? Clive Owen. A lot happened to Clive Where Owen. Where has he been? Shoot him up. Well, I mean, he was in the Soderbergh heroin series on uh, HBO there. Okay. Which is great acting by him. I mean, he went from like Inside Man, Children of Men, Derailed. He had like a, he was everywhere. He had a movie star career going. And now he's, what? Maybe he was asked to play a villain too many times. It's like, because he would have been the perfect villain in everything. Yeah. They're like, we need a British white man to be the villain in this franchise. Will you do it? And he just said no. And then just people stopped calling him. Because he's like, I will not play a British villain. Uh, he was. If you want me to play the villain, I will do an American accent. Yeah, like he had the middle of the two thousands. He was everywhere, and then he just stopped. Yeah, uh, maybe Strange. you're right. Yeah, well, there you go. If you're gonna be typecast, be typecast. I guess is the lesson here. <laughs> Don't stand up for your morals. All right, Mike. We'll see by skip those. Barry, Inside Man, The Letter, Apocalypse. Steve Jobs. Everyone should should see Barry. Buy Barry, I would say. Oh, buy nice. Barry. Definitely buy Barry. And I would buy Steve Jobs as well. I think those are fantastic. Uh, see the letter. If you're especially if you're a fan of old cinema and Betty Davis type cinema, it's a great noir, great suggestion. Maria underscore D's. I really appreciate I hear that. She writes a letter for two hours and then doesn't know. <laughs> I got that on good authority. Uh, <laughs> you could skip Inside Man. Wow. Yeah. I'm but you Crestfallen. Purposely about this. didn't say anything about apocalypse. Did you just? I then? can't. How, what am I going to say? <laughs> Who, you what, can say I have, skip. I have the no, apocalypse. You have bring, no credibility. Left. You're going to bring the friar of Dragonstone down on Inside Man, a beloved I, director. I'm going to say of ours. skip apocalypse, and I guarantee you, later on in this episode, I'll be talking about X Men Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, darn it! All right, go so ahead, Mike. Ready for what I, yeah. I watched? Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. I couldn't bring myself to watch this. I saw two. Too many complaints on Netflix, on Twitter, I'm sorry about it. What did you think? So this is Ted Bundy, played by Zac Efron. This is Lily Collins from To the Bone and uh, the Snow White films. I wanted a movie that was more in her POV, and that's the ultimate problem here. You have strong performances all around. I just think it's a story problem because it's almost like it just they're indulging in the fact that we're going to, all right, his character is is interesting because it's so evil and the title, but her character's the one with the actual decisions to make. And it's like his character is just a a rabid dog. So it doesn't treat Ted Bundy with kid gloves. Because I saw that as a complaint. Well, there's no, it's not uh, the Lars von Trier movie. It's not, it's not the house that Jack, we're not seeing anything really that he does other than some crime scene stuff. But it doesn't, it doesn't, does it make him to be the bad guy that he is? Yes, but it's strange because, like, we all know that he's the bad guy that sure. he is. We're, it's, not, it's not a guess for us. It's supposedly a guess for the main character, but then there's something happens at the end where it recontextualizes everything, 
I just wish we lived in her POV the whole movie. Like, let's have, like, that's real drama. Okay. That's real drama. That's a real dilemma. Sure. Because he's like the perfect Married to the devil. Husband. Yeah. Well, but he's that, he's using her as his cover, essentially, which a lot of these serial murderers have done in the past. Don't I know it. They've manipulated, <laughs> <laughs> they've manipulated people to the nth degree to where she was really struggling in her life and he became like the savior for her and did huh. everything right in ter- as far as she knew. But then again, there's a little, you know, shades of gray there. Mike, I, I, I really think they, they missed the, the ball. Now, it's all sad. that being said, I do think this is a, a, a career-announcing performance for Efron. I mean, he was doing the comedy thing. Obviously, he had a, a, a career as a child actor, as a teen heartthrob. Mm-hmm. As a, I mean, he should, should do musicals with uh, the great, like The Greatest Showman, continue to do mm-hmm. those. But this opens up a whole new lane for him. Uh, I thought he did a terrific job, even though I didn't love his character's arc. So you're buying Zac Efron's stock. I'm a big fan of him myself. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll be a top five performance at the end of the day for the Academy. I don't, I would doubt that it's even a top ten, because there's just not a lot of range there. There's a lot of subtext, but there's just not a lot of range. But And it's not all that subtle, subtle or subtle. So does he need a lot of range for this performance? Does it demand a lot of range, or is it kind of... I'm I mean, Ted very- Bundy being a one-note kind of platonic guy that's a cover you i'm know? very confused at what they were going for with his character because we all know he's his character is a sociopath so why we do we never see him being the sociopath why do we never see that crack those cracks to the veneer huh. okay and it doesn't make sense to me so i i'm not really understanding the story i have more issues with the story than i do the performances i think he's doing his his best there's probably a top 20 performance on the year it's not getting the the release date the, the oscar campaign yeah probably not going to be an oscar movie it's not going to work for yeah. that so i we I, I you know i had a half a thought like should we do an osp on it i don't think so yeah think it does is, it's 6.7 on imdb it's going to need a hell of a momentum to to stay in the zeitgeist i'd be shocked of course there's going to be like you know 15 critics that come oscar time this is the oh, most yeah. un- Underrated yeah. performance of the year. It's a top five. I, I would be shocked. And then we unfollow them. Yeah. <laughs> I would be shocked <laughs> if this has real momentum. Yeah, I, 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 having not seen it, but just knowing about it, I would co-sign that that feeling. So I watched a bunch of uh, comedy specials. Palette cleansers. Yeah, palette cleansers. <laughs> essentially, the funniest one by far was Amy Schumer's "Growing," where she is pregnant on stage. You liked it and hilarious. She made me laugh so freaking hard. I was I was surprised because I actually did like a binge of these comedy specials. I watched 3 and I was following what you were talking, you know, I was stalking you on Twitter. With, via our account, I was gonna say it's the same account. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing all the retweet, not you know stuff and all the you yeah. know trying to promote, and, and you're having conversations. Like I just have do. meltdowns on Twitter. I talk to myself, and if yeah, people want to come along for the ride, that's great. Yeah, you do. I was just like biting my finger a few times. <laughs> A little bit, but Amy Schumer was making me laugh during all this, Good. so it was able to, you know, you know, I, I did not have a meltdown like you did on Twitter <laughs> at the same time. I also walked, watched uh, Jesselnik. Anthony Jesselnik. Anthony Jesselnik, Fire in the Maternity Ward. He's been Ward. a big comedy voice behind the scenes. He's written for a lot of shows. He's an evil man. He's yeah. just an evil man. He makes evil jokes, but they're funny because he knows they're evil. And, and Is yeah. he more evil than Jimmy Carr? Jimmy Carr is more like old school, just I'm going to have like 15 jokes a minute kind of style. I, love Jimmy I Carr. was shocked. I mean, Jimmy Carr is funny, and he's, I like him better on the roast battle stuff than just a mm-hmm. full. Like, I didn't laugh that much. I laughed a few times. The best oh, uh, okay. of ultimate gold greatest hits. I'm really surprised <laughs> because it got to a point where, I'm like, yeah, that's funny. 
right, that's well, they, clever Was that one play. of like the third or fourth stand-up special? Yeah, it was. And so I you got, can become numb I to the jokes. I got to a point where I was numb to yeah. the jokes, and I got to a point where I was like, maybe I'm going to try not to laugh at the rest of this. <laughs> that was evil weird. and yeah. weird. But I'm like, let me see if I can not laugh at the rest of this. Because I went to a comedy club with friends one time, and my friend's girlfriend, Emily, didn't really hang out with us that often. But we're all laughing like idiots. Spit out of our noses. <laughs> we're sitting right up front at Dangerfields in New York. And the comedians were just watching her stone-faced for two hours and just crushing her the whole time. Like, how are you not laughing? And just every other thing was just like back at her. And so I was like, you, the willpower that she had, I channeled a little bit of that. You for the took the Jimmy sociopathic uh, mindset of Ted Bundy. Emily <laughs> might be a fully functioning, wonderful person. Yeah. Say. I didn't know her that well. I knew her a little bit. When she was well, a good lovely for person back in the day. I would day. not have that kind of control. Good for you. <laughs> I, would, I would laugh like a moron. But I did channel a little bit uh, of, of her restraint. I also watched Nate uh, Bargatze, the Tennessee kid. I know he, nothing about him. So he was on like the... He was on this special of like six comedians. It was a little series okay. on Netflix. The stand-ups or the the comedians. Was this the or, Netflix around the world thing? I don't remember. Right. But they did. They did a bunch of these like specials, right? right? Or little mini series. Mm-hmm. And he was one of those. He was like the breakout star from one of those. So they gave him his full special, and it was it was fun. It was fun. But he's still like. He doesn't have, like, the star career yet, and he doesn't have everything super-duper polished. Okay. He's just got a unique, you know, deadpan. So he's a young comedian. Young, younger comedian, deadpan delivery. And he did a nice job. I laughed uh, some, and it was fine. Kevin Hart, Irresponsible. I watched this, and it was really strange to watch this after the Oscars controversy, after we know what he said in the past. Yeah! And I, like, it was almost like weighing on me, like I'm not laughing, because I want to give, I like Kevin Hart over the years. Sure, sure. Really liked his mo- some of his movies. Some of his movies. Some of his movies are dreck, like a lot of the comedians out there. Well, Will Ferrell, <laughs> some of his movies are dreck. But bottom line, I, I was trying to laugh, and like he just started off with some really effed up jokes about his kids and beating his kids and stuff. I'm like, what Jesus the hell is Christ. going on here? All right. <laughs> He's an old school guy, I guess, Mike. So th- that's where I was. I did like this binge of comedy specials from early morning until... Which one would you recommend above all others? Oh, Amy watch? Schumer okay. was by, by far the funniest. But Anthony Jeselnik, if you're an evil man like me... Mm. Yeah, it's worth it's worth watching. All right, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> I also watched one episode of television with my father uh, last week. <laughs> I see this. Bosch is a series I tried to watch on my own, and yeah. I just could not. Bosch season five, episode one. After not seeing anything. I, by past, the way, the fact that it's in season five blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I I watched it. Uh-huh. Let's just say that, and um, it was season five, so I didn't really know what was going on. This was your Game of Thrones that I went. Through. Yeah, and I just I was you know with uh, humoring stakes. my dad. I sat down to watch some TV with him. It wasn't bad, like dramatically or anything. Right, it it's just, a show that's just kind of there, clueless. Yeah, and he loves it. So, but if you if, God bless him, if you're like my dad out there, <laughs> yeah. you'll love Bosch season five, episode one. Mike, I finished. I think you should leave. Very funny. Love uh, that show. A bit hit and miss. Uh, a bit hit how and miss. dare you it's it's it is hit and miss if I have it's a batting get, average it's like 850 it is <laughs> a little less than 850 i'm just gonna say but a lot of big laughs so i will you know high five you and then just wince a little bit <laughs> finally chris lily's uh, i'm sorry not finally i have one more but uh chris lily's lunatics on netflix so he did J- jonah from tonga summer heights high on hbo yeah hilarious love i him. used to love these this series is worrying me a bit because the episodes are too long. They drag. Like the first episode, 36 minutes long, and this should be 22 minutes mm-hmm. on HBO like Summer Heights High was. It's like it's too much 
Chris Lilly doing the ridiculous he can humor. definitely be too much too if you let him languish too long so i don't know how there's 10 episodes like i don't want to rewatch it i don't want to watch episode two i'm like afraid like this was just too much like the first episode, i get you yeah i laughed seven times good good laughs but and if you've seen summer heights high you know exactly the type of like this is yeah short concise the shorter the better and that's why i think you should leave is perfect because <laughs> that's exactly the same thing if i think but the problem maybe the problem with i think you should leave is i binged it so I'm doing my comedy just endurance thing. I take it back. I binge it too. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but I watched most of it at once. Like I watched the first episode, loved it. Second episode, loved it. Then I watched like the last whatever however many were left. Yeah. And it was too much for me. So finally, the funniest thing I watched this week, Mike. <laughs> Serenity, starring Matthew McConaughey. What a ridiculous load of shit. What a great ending. <laughs> really, really funny. Like just made me laugh the hardest. Out of Which all is not things. on purpose. Amy Schumer, I'm sorry. <laughs> this movie made me roar with laughter. It is a terrible, terrible film. I haven't seen it, but I, I know hate it. it so much, yeah. but I love to hate it. And it really made me laugh hard when that the movie big twist happens. Dumb. <laughs> that is a dumb movie. I could see the sincerity. You need that sincerity. In, a, in an awesomely bad film, and this is awesomely bad. Uh, yeah, uh, to say other things about it. Sure, all right. Uh, see by Skip, Mike, we watched a shitload of stuff this week. I'm not going to repeat them all. See, give me something that's number one in your mind, something that people should see and something you can avoid. You know, see Serenity and uh, <laughs> definitely see... Just the last half hour of Serenity. Buy, uh, buy Serenity. <laughs> yeah. Buy it and rewatch it <laughs> ten times and just enjoy yourself. Uh, you can just play a video game. But yeah, I mean, see Amy Schumer. Schumer uh, Jesselnick is such an acquired taste. Like, he will be offensive yeah. to everybody but me and you. I think uh, you could skip the Kevin Hart. You could skip Jimmy Carr. How the mighty have fallen with Kevin Hart, huh? Yeah. Don't weep for him. He's on the, film, he's on the set right now filming I'm, Jumanji too. I'm very ambivalent over extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. I mean, I'm between... You got a grade for that? Since we're probably not going to do an OSP for it, just off the top of your head? I'm like a 74. That low, huh? That's see. Sad. It's yeah, all right. I mean, that that's understandable, and you're not alone in that, certainly. Like I said, there's a lot of a lot of polarizing reviews, and that seems to be kind of the highlight of the week for Netflix. They're going to get a tons of eyes on it anyway, because Lord knows if people watch Bird Box, they're going to watch a Ted Bundy movie with Zac Efron in the lead. So True. I wouldn't cry too much for Netflix either there. Let's move on here, and we'll talk about some trailer thoughts, right? Yeah. All right. Trailer thoughts. trailer that came out this morning monday morning mike spider-man far from home trailer two this is big news for the mcu because we're starting the multiverse storyline at least it seems I'm so, so worried about that i really wish they weren't going in this direction. hollywood reporter a lot of people came out with articles this week mm. like what's the next big 10 years for marvel and this was a 2015 storyline i want to say that was a big deal in comic book circles i've never read any of the comic books I don't know how far it goes back, but I, I know somebody did it with a big 2015 arc. And to me, it makes some sense and it has some cool possibilities. I like you worry, but then again, we just saw a multiverse storyline. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next. Into so the Spider-Verse. Is Spider-Verse now going to be adapted into Marvel here since they're sharing the property? Don't forget, Sony still has the rights to Spider-Man, and they're supposed to be reverting back to Sony exclusively after, I think, the next Spider-Man movie. I think it opens up possibilities that you can kind of continue the collaboration between Disney and Sony in many ways, like where they can kind of share... They could come up. I mean, we've seen it happen with Pixar. Am I going to get share. John Mulaney Spider Ham in the MCU? 
<laughs> is my question. <laughs> what if they have a live action movie and then there's just like a pig? I'm all for it. I'm all for it. That's what I want. I hope they're in The Lion King. <laughs> uh, what did you think about the trailer? Big fan of it. I mean, they obviously just showed us a lot of the same stuff, which is fine. But you have the added scene with uh, Spider-Man telling the cops he's going on vacation. Did you see... You? I, mean, I imagine this is the trailer, but did you see Tom Holland do the spoiler warning at the top of the trailer? Yes. yes. I think that's really cool. I think that was important. Makes and especially sense. the first thing you see is a huge Endgame spoiler. Right. So don't watch that if you are right. if you haven't seen Endgame yet. But, uh, you know, you could have seen the first trailer. So Mysterio being a good guy is a big thing. That's the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah. So is Jake Gyllenhaal going to be part of the MCU? Or is this all misdirection like all the Endgame trailers were? Like, I never read the comics, but even I know. Oh, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. So they know we know that. And now that we know that they know that we know things, we know that they can play with that. They've Here's done it before. The suggestion I think this trailer lays out is that this Mysterio is a good guy, but the Mysterio from the other dimension that could come in and kill this Mysterio, since we've um since it's been suggested mm-hmm. that the same character from different timelines can have an effect on a different character without hurting themselves. Um See, you don't want to get into all the, you know, the debates like this from previous episodes. I'm really trying hard not to spoil this. And yet we have now yeah, have to. I, now we have to. Well, that's part, of the, reason, that's that part of the reason host. I'm upset they're going this direction because I really don't want to have these debates. Because of all these debates. Yeah. Uh, yes. But yeah, you're right. I, apparently they feel, look, this is a fucking undertaking. If you're going to base a decade's worth of programming, right. billion dollar programming, billions of dollars of programming on a time travel series or a multi-dimension series... God, that's dangerous. It is dangerous, and yet Spider Verse did it well in one movie. Yeah, but but it's it's right. It's encapsulated. It's one. It's a one off. You could do it in a one off, but to open it up to this cinematic universe and all the implications that you're going to leave because you're not going to tie up every loose end yeah. if you do that. They brought up the big, big, crazy debate centric, heavy subject matter at the end of the whole Infinity War saga. Right. They didn't have it as a streamlined through. The fact that you're leading off with right. so many what ifs. Right. I agree. It could blow it could have some blowback. That's my worry. And the MCU has been so tight, right? I mean, that's been one of the highlights of it. It's been so constricted within itself. Yes, different movies bleed into different movies, but that's been purposeful and everything, every corner has been accounted for. Right. You can't with this. If you're going to do multi-dimensions and time travel and stuff, you just, you can't. And if it's going to be the basis, that's part of the reason I didn't get into the arguments with with Endgame and how they handled it, because it wasn't, it was a means to an end. It wasn't the focus. You're leading off your first picture of the new phase of the MCU, and you're clearly implementing that this technology not only exists, but it's going to be used, and it's going to be the basis for some of the movies, certainly at least your first one, I boy worries me. I, I can't argue with you as of yet. I'm just gonna tell you, my brain is okay with it. Number one, 
but also I have faith in the MCU. Guys. Sure, and that's the big Trump card, right? I mean, if, if anyone can pull it off, if anyone can pull off anything right now, it's Kevin Feige and the people at Marvel Studios. And I also love the fact that it's Spider-Man on vacation with all his pals. Why does an 18-year-old need a vacation? Because he's just... <laughs> he was away for five years, let's just say. Okay. Five years, they were all away, and they just went, you know, they're, they're in high school, and the high school kids should be able to go to Europe and have fun. And I know that wasn't our realities when we were right. kids and we're jealous <laughs> right now. And that's... He lives basically with a single parent in an apartment in, in Queens. Well, but he's saving people. He's the neighborhood Spider-Man. It's not a video game. You don't find a pile of money to pick up after you save someone. He deserves a vacation, (laughs) Michael. He deserves one. Also, it seems like we're going to have a world in which everyone knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Because this Zendaya character, this MJ Zendaya, seems, at least how it was edited, would suggest that she knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. I love it. Yeah, I'm not against it. I'm not against it either. I think, uh, I wonder how he's going to play it, that scene. I mean, it seems like he's just going... Wait, no, I'm not. But then he's probably like, okay, fine. So, <laughs> so we already know that that based on previous, I mean, this isn't a spoiler, but his Aunt May knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Obviously, everyone, all the Marvel Avengers know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Kind of interesting if his people in his own life are going to know as well. I love it. I love you. You got Happy in this. You got Nick Fury in this. It's it's really cool. You so. don't ghost Nick Fury. You don't ghost <laughs> Nick Fury. That's great. So that was the big trailer that dropped Monday morning. Thank God, because otherwise the big trailer would have been Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen. I got to talk about this. Please. I love Jim Carrey. Yeah. I am a disciple of Ben Schwartz. I don't care what Ben Schwartz does, I will see it. I also am a big fan of James Marsden. If those three are in a movie together, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it opening week. They are in this movie, I will see this movie opening week. It's based on a video game. A huge video game guy? Yeah, absolutely. From your life. Um, By Sega. Saga by Sega. (laughs) I hate myself. This looks something. Right? And, uh, yeah, we're going to go into all the decrying, the, the stuff online about how they're going to change the character now. And He looks like a Pokemon. Yeah, yes, he does look like a Pokemon, as a matter of fact. And uh, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> He looks like a soft little stuffed animal Pokemon, but he's supposed to be a hedgehog with, like, porcupine spikes he just with looks hard blues. so unlike the character they of went, Sonic. They went light blue instead of hard blue. They went like little puppy dog instead of... The eyes are two separate eyes as opposed to the character which has one like unibrow eye which makes him more You cartoonish. want the unibrow. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just think it's an easy fix. Now, the implement... The, the implication... Thank you. You gave me the word and I couldn't think of it. The implication of this is that they're going to have their artists redo everything. They're basically going to give everybody the video game uh, Sonic right now, right? One, why not do that in the first place? Two... I hope you pay people and you're not just saying making them work double time because I have no idea. They have to. It's all it's all guilt oriented. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God. I, I, have you ever seen a movie come out and backtrack based on trailer reaction like this and say, whoa, boy, we got to fix this. I can't remember one. I honestly can't. I made better historians yeah. out there than us will. But no, I can't remember it. I was just really taken off guard by Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise. <laughs> it's awesome. It just it just seems like it is pandering to me so hard. It's it's not not. <laughs> it worked. That being said, it worked. Like I still come away from that trailer saying I kind of want to. I want to see a movie, you know, with the soundtrack of Coolio. Yeah. I want to see a movie that's based on a video game mm-hmm. from my childhood, and I want to see a movie with Jim Carrey with multiple outfits. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I want to see those things, and yet 
I know it is just pandering to me to just give them my money. Do you remember the movie that Gangster's Paradise came out as a soundtrack for? Dangerous Minds. Yeah, Dangerous Minds. <laughs> yeah, I do, of Michelle course. Michelle Pfeiffer. I had to see Dangerous Minds. That was the first R-rated movie I ever saw. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was also surprised that this was Ben Schwartz. I just didn't have it fixed in my brain. That doesn't sound did, like him. He did the voice here, and I was like, that voice just doesn't mean anything to me. Like, the Sonic character I did, was not pleased with. Maybe it was the look of it. Maybe <clears throat> he's going to get more John Ralphio in the movie, you know, <laughs> and, and he'll be more anim- animated in terms of his voice talent than just... What he's saying there's, there. You could make money with a Sonic movie. I mean, you could. There's right. there's a world in which that's a profitable venture. I hope this is it. I don't know. But Jim Carrey is, like, really hitting levels of being annoying that is <laughs> aggravating in this trailer. And then he does something funny. Yeah. So then you love it. And then, of course, he looks like the characters in the video games, and you really love that. He's got to go bald. Just straight I bald. Mean, the Robotnik and Eggman are bald. You got to go bald. Get a bigger mustache too. I love Robotnik. <laughs> I love the mouth. I love the mouth. Well, the mustache at the very end. Yeah, yeah. The you orange. Blow that out. Yeah, he has that big. Oh, I mean, you really want yeah, it. Yeah, I, mean, I want like cartoonish. So the Final Fantasy sword, <laughs> if they make a Final Fantasy movie, needs to be that big. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> can't disagree other trailers mike all right so we're going to talk about a few tribeca trailers yeah. and we're going to do an oscar race update at the end of this ridiculously long episode as it's, it's turning so out to long. be uh one of the audience award winners was gay chorus deep south and this trailer broke my freaking heart yeah if you have a heart you're going to be amazed by this trailer it's reminiscent to me anyway it's about this as the title suggests, a sure. gay chorus that is traveling through the South and trying to show class and prestige and trying to change the way people think and maybe uh, break stereotypes that are thought of down there. And this is very reminiscent to me of the real Dr. Don Shirley right. going through the South and doing the same as the basis was for Green Book. Yeah, for race relations yeah. there. Uh, it, it, it's absolutely walking a tightrope in my mind because you have that political motivation, and which is very good. But then you have all these guys returning home after 20 years. Yeah. I grew up here. This is, they ran me out of town, essentially. And it just rips your heart out. So, I mean, good God, if if this trailer makes you want to cry, this movie is going to be something special. And it looks like it's going to be one of the bigger documentaries of the year. Uh, It already is after winning that audience award, that coveted audience award at Tribeca. And if anything speaks to the liberal leaning academy, this could be certainly there at sure. the end of the day for the documentary feature. But I'm impressed. Yeah, bottom line, I'm impressed with the storytelling in a, a longer trailer, mind you, but yeah. a two and a half minute or two, almost three minute trailer. I'm impressed with the storytelling right there because we got some through lines for a bunch of the principal characters. It looks like you got a, an ensemble of uh, different viewpoints. Yeah, I'm with it. Very captivating stuff. House of Hummingbird, Michael, won the best international feature at Tribeca. Uh, premise reads Seoul 1994 in the year of Seongsu Bridge. When that collapsed, 14-year-old Unhee wanders uh, the city searching for love. Sorry about my pronunciation. So this is a coming-of-age film that doesn't translate necessarily all that well to a trailer, right, Mike? I wasn't impressed. I mean, especially we're coming, we're just coming off a year where Asian cinema had such a great impact on the Burning has a great trailer. Burning, shoplifters as well. I mean, very captivating stuff, very edge-of-your-seat stuff. This one just didn't do anything for me. I hope we're going to continue the trend of those really unique pictures that we started two years ago, actually. We've both loved South Korean film yeah. for a while now, going uh, going back to the host, and mm-hmm. uh, it's almost over ten years that we've been, you know, just 
watching and consuming South Korean film for a long time. So in that regard, I'm optimistic that you have one that comes over and wins a big festival right. like Tribeca. Sure. But this is probably a hard movie to make a trailer for. It's, it's also a, probably, of if any niche genre is going to be tough to translate to an American audience, you would think it's going to be something like The Coming of Age. Maybe a rom-com, too. You know, but I, I just, I have to imagine the bar for translation is going to be higher. Coming of Age is typically all about nostalgia for an adult viewership, And relatability, right? yeah. yeah. Uh, definitely. So that'll be interesting if they make this relatable to American audiences. Right. That would be a triumph in many ways. But, you know, the movie does win some other awards. It won Best Actress. It won uh, Best Cinematography in the International Film Categories at Tribeca. So talk about that a, a little more at the end. I have to watch Burning now on Netflix. That's the big South Korean albatross that I haven't watched yet. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't gotten to it either, but I, I, it's one I want to. I want to take it off my uh, bucket list. Foreign films drive me international films you yes. idiot mike yes. I, I, I don't have to you know call right. it a foreign film anymore yeah. it's just, which is nice so i'll save that but michael burning is a movie that i just i have to shut the laptop yep. close sit down and do nothing but watch yep. burning and i just it's so hard to find time in our busy schedules where we can just do nothing like i watched those 18s comedy specials while i was doing all this <laughs> stuff and you know preparing all these pixar pods essentially yeah and we can't do that watch no yeah uh, of course not. that's to be that's, consumed with it. Yeah, that's part of the the whole thing about every international film you got to give it your full attention and a lot of people just i mean not even us but the academy has shown they're not willing to do that sometimes and they're just willing to vote for the one that's most relatable to what they know in their lives without yes. having seen it so but good trailers this week. Yeah, not bad. Uh, we'll move on from trailers where we have a couple big ones there. We'll move into audience interaction here. We'll recap our six degrees of MMO. Also, Mike laid out the challenge last week. We were going Macy Williams because of the Arya Stark big week she had last week and yeah. continued this week, uh, this past Sunday, sure. uh, to Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, himself going to be the subject of a documentary coming out soon. What's My Name? That premiered at Tribeca. It's also a song from Rihanna. Mark Burgundy was out there first, a frequent flyer here at the One Hand. Macy Williams was in Doctor Who with Jenna Coleman, who was in Captain America with Chris Evans, who of course himself in The Avengers with Chris Hemsworth, who was in Thor with Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman was in Mars Attacks, people forget that, uh, yeah. with Martin Short, who was in Inner Space with Meg Ryan, who was involved in an awkward interview with Michael Parkinson, who famously <laughs> interviewed Ali. Like I, that. I like that a lot, <laughs> starting off strong, and we praised him for it on Twitter. Inner Space being Meg Ryan's earlier work. <laughs> yes. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and yeah, Natalie Portman, totally forget she's in Mars Attacks. So Your brother had a few. I'm going to give one of them now. <laughs> yes. The Schmave 29 says, consider this a warm-up. Maisie Williams was in Got with Mark Addy, Robert Baratheon there. Mark Addy was in A Knight's Tale with Paul Bettany, who was in Infinity War with Sam Jackson, who was in Django Unchained with uh, Jamie Foxx, who was in Ali based, of course, on Muhammad Ali by Michael Mann. He was very, very proud of his submissions this yes, week, I will say. Invasion good. of the Remake. At Invasion Remake, Macy Williams was in The Falling with Greta Sackey, who was in Flight Plan with Jodie Foster, was in The Little Man Tate with Diane Weist, who co-starred in Lost Boys with Edward Herman, who was in Freedom Road with Muhammad Ali. I like that he actually went with Ali's cinematic uh, yeah, profile there. I didn't realize yeah. that. I thought I was really making this hard for people. <laughs> Well, this wasn't easy. We didn't have any, like, quick uh, fixes. I think we only had one or two quick ones this we week. We had to challenge. We had to send out some challenging gifts this week. So I think we did our job. <laughs> anyway, Capt 
Captain Magnifico, comma, space com, at Dr. Underscore Magnifico, uh, said Ollie lit the torch at the 1996 Olympics. Good start. Featured Carrie Strug's epic landing. And of course, he has the gif of Carrie Strug's landing on the bottom of this. So I love that. One episode of King of the Hill featured that landing as well. Stephen Root was in that episode. He is in Barry. I love Stephen Root. Barry, of course, has Henry Winkler, who is in Little Nicky with Adam Sandler. Yeah. Uh, who was in Pixels with Peter Dinklage, who was in Got with Maisie. Yes, going the Adam Sandler filmography route uh, is something that speaks to my heart. Uh, Talk Zone Radio, at Talk Zone Radio, Maisie Williams is in Game of Thrones with Rory McCann, who was in Hot Fuzz with Billy Nighy, who played Davy Jones in the Disney Infinity video game. He did. Featuring Olaf, Josh Gad, who was in The Comedians with Billy Crystal, who did the eulogy for Muhammad Ali. That one is extremely clever. Had to be close to a winner there. I like that. I didn't read the end of that yeah. Billy Crystal delivered the eulogy for Muhammad Ali that's incredible that, that is made... wow is that the winner that might have to be <laughs> we have to circle back alright well Nerd Herder Podcast said Maisie Williams is on Got with Joel Fry Joel is in Octavia with Jilly Cooper Jilly is in What's My Line with Eamon Andrews Eamon is the host of This Is Your Life who did an episode with Muhammad Ali Michael, I... That's fantastic. Perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. That's fantastic. But did you know any of these things or any of those people? I I, I knew uh, What's My uh, This Is Your Life. I used to watch that on the game show network when it was like 3 a.m. Mike, I knew Maisie Williams and Muhammad Ali. <laughs> but that's incredible. I'm going to have to look all these things up. So Nerd Herder Podcast, you've done your job. You've gotten me to look up all your, all your favorite or at least you know properties that are on your mind. So I appreciate that. Netflix and Swill at Netflix and Swill. Daisy Williams was with Bill Milner in iBoy, who was with Tom Holland in Locke. Uh, Tom Holland was with Will Smith in Spies in Disguise, who played Ali, of course, uh, in, Maha- in, in Ali, played Muhammad Ali. Will Smith, Spies in Disguise, Gemini Man. Interesting 2019 for that man. This man is having a career that is under scrutiny by us <laughs> and many other people at the moment. Rightfully so. We'll see if it... Uh... It does better than expected. Yeah. Because it may have just gotten enough backlash with the uh, blue blue uh, CGI to the Gemini. Yeah, I didn't even include Aladdin. Yeah. My God. Anyway, Robert Doherty, frequent flyer at Robert Doc 1984, says, Williams guest starred on Doctor Who with Peter Capaldi, who's in Paddington 2 with Hugh Grant, who's in Florence Foster Jenkins. Love that movie with Meryl Streep. That movie's funnier than you would ever think. Uh, Meryl Streep's and Postcards from the Edge with Gene Hackman, who's in Poseidon Adventure with Ernest Borgnine, who's in The Greatest with Muhammad Ali. And I don't think Robert looked any of these up. I just think he knows. <laughs> he just knows. Based He's been on doing this a while. Yeah. Robert Doherty's other previous submissions. I'm pretty sure he just knows because he picked a lot of cool stuff. Hall there. of Famer himself. How about that cast for the Poseidon Adventure with Ernest Borgnine and Gene Hackman? Incredible. Uh, Swamp Thing at Wojciech Wyshore. Who I actually DM because yes. I was like, I have to, like, I got to get your name right if you're going to keep submitting because I feel bad if I'm mispronouncing it. And he said, I'm doing a, a damn fine job and being really close. And that made me proud to my Polish roots. So thank you for uh, my grandfather, I guess, for teaching me how to speak Polish a little bit. That's good. Yeah. And I will point to you every time. When you... <laughs> no, I, I, I really like uh, Wojciech. Wojciech. 
Wojcik? Wojcik. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith, who played Muhammad Ali, was also in Suicide Squad with Margot Robbie, who was in About Time with Dom Hall Gleason, who was in Frank with Michael Fassbender. And I'm a huge, I'm on a huge Fassbender kick right now after rewatching Steve Jobs. Fish tank. Uh, Fassbender was in X Men, the younger version of Magneto, played by Bill Milner, who's in I Boy with Maisie Williams. Wow. So that's like a lot of cult following movies like suicide squad's got a bit of a loyal following yep. i think is it's better than it is mm-hmm. obviously ali a lot of people give that blowback uh that it's not a good movie about time is like the other time traveler's wife movie that people enjoy more than these are guilty pleasures is what i'm saying frank X-Men, too. Yeah, a lot of people like frank a lot of people like frank yeah. i don't get that one i know i know it's a good filmmaker i forget who it is but uh, fastbender's good i don't like frank frank nah. just didn't work for me at all I don't think I've ever seen it, to be honest. It's, maybe I'll have to dive into that one. It's really strange, but maybe, I, maybe I'll rewatch it. It's about it a band, right? It's about this one guy who wears a big mask on his head, and he, yeah, it's about a band. So is it like Buckethead the movie from uh, Limp Biscuit? <laughs> Perhaps I don't know. I'm not. I don't know the deep cuts of all the music. You don't. You don't know your history of Limp Biscuit. Is that what you're saying? Correct. <laughs> I didn't dress like him for 15 years. How dare you? <laughs> Mike, my brother Daniel. This one's good too. Said Maisie Williams is currently 22, which was Googled by thousands of people after seeing her butt in episode two of season eight. Muhammad Ali won his first heavyweight championship in 1964 at age 22. I love that. Against Sonny Liston, what's my name? Uh, <laughs> I think I just solved this most efficiently, my brother says. That's a great job. That's He's a great an evil connection. man. It's smart, though. I mean, you can't say it's untrue. And we'll finish up here with the second one from the Shmay of 29. Uh, brought to you by the letters M, M, and O. Very cute. M being Macy Williams, who's on GOT, which is owned by HBO, who recently purchased Sesame Street that had a Muppet named Louis Kazagger who was a parody of Howard Cosell who interviewed Muhammad Ali. Very, very clever. And if you say so, I guess it's true. I, I, <laughs> this is another one. See, that's two things you gotta you gotta you gotta check up on your history of Limp Biscuit, and you gotta keep up to date on your history of Sesame Street. That's and a, that whole what's my line thread and Louis Kazagger. <laughs> I guess I gotta research him now. But this is it is cool. So who are you picking for a winner? We got brothers of ours yeah. that are going to be very angry at us if we don't pick them. <laughs> I have this situation where they, they're they linking Muhammad Ali to interviews and to me, the Billy Crystal yeah, eulogy one. Too. Talk Zone Radio, I think, wins it this week. For, at uh, Talk Zone yeah. Radio. we got to do that, yeah. even though our brothers are going to be mad at us. That's 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 one I'm willing to wear, but uh, very clever, very good job. Talk Zone Radio is the winner this week for Six Degrees of MMO. You get all the bragging rights. You are the leader. You are the smartest man on this planet, this planet Earth for this week. But, Mike, what's our next competition going to be? So we're going to do something based on our Oscar race update coming up. Burning Kane won Tribeca. Wendell Pierce from The Wire. She does this fuck. <laughs> I just love that scene. So well, he's much. not the shit guy. But I know, but he's, they bunk. do say yeah. bunk. Yeah. They do. He does say shit like that. <laughs> and, he, and then they all they just have a scene where they just drop the f word and and shit. And I loved it. While they, I guess I have to explain the scene now. While they <laughs> s- analyze a crime scene. Well, it's that's the fuck scene, right? The fuck, yeah. fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck. But don't they say shit too? No. God, <laughs> not a good person. Just not a good person with a sound memory. What the fuck? Fuck, fuck, Yes, fuck. all right. So Wendell Pierce. Yes. To Zendaya, because 
We loved her line, and, and that gave us the most a lot of conversation in the Spider-Man yeah. Far From Home trailer. And uh, that seems pre- probably pretty hard. Right? Yeah, hopefully, right? I, I hope. I, yeah, we'll see. But get creative with it is yeah. the bottom line. And so we're going to use Zendaya to Wendell Pierce. Wendell Pierce is Zendaya. That is your uh, challenge for this week. Six Degrees of MMO will move quickly into a box office update now. And all there is to really talk about is uh, the Avengers Endgame and what they did this week. Uh, 145.8 million domestic. Incredible. Yeah, they've already done 2.2 billion worldwide for a box office. Uh, and we asked last week, is it going to cross 2 billion? And now the only question left is, does it catch Avatar? And it's going to need another 600 million or so. Uh, it, well, it does. At the end of this week, it does. I hope. I, I can't imagine it doesn't. Even it lost sixty percent of its domestic audience. So if you, if you're going to keep losing sixty percent, that's going to be tough to do. You're gonna. That means you're talking about sixty million dollars at least domestically again. Maybe you make another three hundred million. It's going to be close. I think it'll do it. It's going to make a hundred million in demand. All right. Yeah. Maybe. I think it'll take three week, three or four weeks. I think it'll do it. I hope so. It's but it did fall four million dollars short of setting the record for the best second weekend gross ever. The Force Awakens. And still has that. Uh, Interesting. Force Awakens made, uh, I think it was 151 or one, no, 146. Yeah, 150. Well, that's a red flag a little bit that it's not holding. Sure. Like, yeah, the rewatchability is, is not the, what it was for But uh, the Avatar whole or planet the saw the movie last weekend. I've seen it three times every time yeah. it was a sellout. I saw it on a Friday, Me a too. Saturday, and a Tuesday. Every single showing was sold out uh, all different times a day, too. $2.2 billion, like we said. It set that in just 10 days. Box Office Mojo has it as the current record holder for 36 cinematic box office records. Included among those is highest 10-day domestic gross, which Endgame has right now at $619 million. Uh, Variety wow. cites a billion other records that it set as well. It basically was number one in every territory, I think, except China. China internationally this week so it's doing well <laughs> it's doing awesome and that's it's it's fun to see it's fun to see the industry have, have a movie that it can really get everybody can get behind and it, it culminates that 11 year set of movies we've hold, two movies we've held off getting into the deep dive of its oscars chances that's going to be coming up soon i think even though I, we got into some good conversation we talked about with, it for certain nick yeah, monday and in the, the first impressions we, we i think we're bullish on it but we don't necessarily know how the tea leaves are going to start to be read because that's the big thing we're going to have to start to analyze the academy and all the buzz and the russo brothers at least one of them came out and said quite frankly he's a little upset that it's doing so well financially because obviously he's not upset that it's doing well financially but the focus the narrative has all been about the box office when he wishes it was more so on the story and what they accomplished and what they did tying up this, this big event i think that combined with what Nick Mundy said to us during our review has kind of made it in my mind that this script really should be talked about more in terms of being something special and something that maybe is worthy of uh, Academy recognition, at least for me. Yeah, I agree. Mike, the the other properties, the new properties, the Intruder, Longshot, Ugly Dolls, really almost DOA. And How about the Intruder beating Longshot? That's a little worrisome. That is worrisome, and it's a little upsetting, but I guess... The, they, they made a mistake because you shouldn't put it out during Endgame because everybody in the age bracket, that's, I mean, it's not counter-programming yeah. to Endgame. No, you're right. It, it, did, it really didn't work. Like, they thought, all right, let's have a funny comedy. But then again, Endgame is also funny. Then again, if Longshot comes out a decade ago, yeah. it's not making, it's making more than $10 million its opening weekend. I mean, that's Seth Rogen in a comedy. Charlie Theron's a big name. $10 million is worrisome for for something like Longshot, I would say. But it just got swallowed by yeah, the whale that is Endgame. And Captain Marvel made 4.2 at number 5, which is over 1.12 
uh, billion now, and that's why people are going to the movies these last two weeks to see Marvel properties. It's going to be very interesting. And I'm sure they're already doing it. I haven't looked it up. I should have. But it's going to be very interesting to see the heads of these Marvel properties and what they do next that's outside of Marvel. Right. What properties they're, and what projects they choose to pursue. Brie Larson is going to be very interesting to see what she decides to pursue next. Robert Downey Jr., the same. Chris Evans, the same. So I'm, I'm curious to see all that. Uh, that's pretty much the box office for this week. It's all Endgame still. And we're just tracking as to whether or not it crosses the $3 billion threshold. I tend to think it will. Yeah. You tend to think it will. And if it does that, it's going to be the highest gross film of all time and it, it should be makes sense mike we had a couple sad notes this week that we're going to just put in the mid yeah. mi- towards the end of this episode here john singleton passed away director of boys in the hood actually a director of a lot of things that i did not expect i mean he was not a career who, that i followed all that closely i know he's a hero to many uh real trailblazer in many ways uh baby boy shaft rosewood four brothers higher learning poetic justice did the first episode of billions he did the first episode of empire american uh crime story you know or one episode of those shows excuse me uh he he's done a lot of good stuff he produced a lot of cool things as well in his career he produced black snake moan hustle and flow he produced the show snowfall and rebel over the last few years true hollywood royalty i mean this guy was a big deal and sad to see him it's always sad when we lose someone but too young someone that was so prominent and a prominent black voice as well in hollywood that got a lot of stuff and shattered all sorts of glass ceilings in his 50s i guess yeah age 51 so very very sad uh he died uh April 29th. Yeah, very sad there. Very sad to say goodbye to Chewbacca as well, Peter Mayhew. Peter Mayhew, uh, and it was right around the May the 4th, be yeah. with you there, and a lot of sad gifts on Twitter. It really tugged at your heartstrings. You know, he did he just beloved and on the sure. festival circuits, etc. He got some nice shout-outs at Star Wars Celebration by uh, the guy who took over for him from Chewie, as Chewie, yeah. the last few Star Wars movies. And uh, that was nice to see. Unfortunately, we didn't know he was in, having trouble, I guess, with his health. So very sad that you lose two major people in the industry in one week, in one weekend, really. Uh, and, and, tr- and, and true ho- royalty, like I said. I mean, two yeah. people that were very beloved in the industry and did a lot for the industry and worked their asses off, and they will both be missed. And John Singleton's truly, truly sad. 51 is way too young. Way too young. So there's no way to transition, so we're just going to play our goofy idiot thing here and to do you care. Yep. This is the Do You Care segment. This is where we take news stories of the week and we ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? Only a couple stories right now, but the way we start off every Do You Care segment, we talk about this week's upcoming theatrical releases. And this week, we finally have something that may knock Endgame off his perch. We'll see. The Hustle debuts in 2,700 plus theaters. Pokemon Detective Pikachu is the big one, going in over Mm -hmm. 4,000 theaters nationwide. We also have Palms, Tolkien, All is True, uh, Biggest Little Farm, Charlie Says, and Student of the Year 2. I didn't know there was a one, but yeah, those are coming out. Mike, do we care about any of them tolkien is something i'm just gonna pretend doesn't exist (laughs) 
I love the Lord of the Rings. I'm not a fan of Feeling Film. Feeling. Was I think it was Feeling Film. Our buddies there were very high on it, which surprised really? me. Okay, but I've seen a, I've seen a lot of negative press. On it I as respect well. those guys. Yeah. So darn it! Now I'm gonna have to see it after those trailers. I do respect <laughs> those guys, so I might I might see it at some point. I might just be too curious, even if it's a bomb. I couldn't care less about this. Yeah, you're you're a big Hobbit guy. You're a big Lord of the Rings guy. It just doesn't. I don't understand it. So the hustle with Rebel Wilson and Hathaway hasn't gotten any reviews yet, which is a very bad sign. No, it's not a good sign at all. <laughs> Charlie says is that Mary Heron, Charlie Manson movie that we previewed a couple times. In Looks the past. interesting, and it's coming in a limited release right now. So I'm in for that. All is true, Mike. It's directed by Kenneth Branagh, starring Kenneth Branagh as William Shakespeare, with Ian McKellen and Judy Dench. And Judy Dench plays a character named Anne Hathaway. I would like her to be playing actually Anne Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of intrigued. Sure, why not? But 56 meta scores. So I won't see it. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest little farm has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Documentary, 75 meta score. Documentarian John Chester and his wife Molly work to develop a sustainable farm on 200 acres outside Los Angeles. I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah, those scores keep up. That could be something to keep an eye on as far as the documentary feature because we just haven't really had a lot of noise about that subject uh, or that category for the Academy yet. Diane Keaton, Pam Greer, Jackie Weaver are in Palms. It's a comedy about a group of women at their nursing home or a retirement community. Sorry! Who form a (laughs) cheerleading squad. Don't get old. Uh, I just feel like an ageist here because this is is pandering to people. Look, I understand that this one seems a little ridiculous and it's not really made for us and it's maybe niche marketing, but... We talked about with Wine Country, especially, that the, the middle-aged woman hasn't really had a lot of f- films made for You're mi- sufficiently making me feel bad, so now I'm going to have to see I should. this four times. We're going to have to do an Oscar Swim <laughs> I'm profile. serious. They, there hasn't... They, I mean, there's there's yeah. a ground there. There have not been movies made for that, that group, that sect, and it's not like they don't exist. They are a big b- body of people, so there, maybe this makes money. There are, but you're right. You're right. I, I don't disagree. That being said, uh, now you need to see this. I, I will not be night. seeing pops. You pompous, pom I will, asshole. I will not be seeing pops. No, I mean, we're, we're guys. We're, we grew up as dude it's not bros. Made, it's, not, it's not made for us. It's not it's made not. for us. It's not. No. We'll leave it there. No. What am I forgetting? Uh, yeah, something big. <laughs> yeah, we're going to review this uh, movie, Detective P- Pikachu. Not this week, but next week, so stay tuned. You're going to have a guest for that, right? Gonna, we have a guest yeah. who's booked. He's coming back from a wedding, so hopefully he comes back all safe and sound yes. and not, uh, you know, thoroughly hungover and everything. Just but trashed. Then again, Pikachu we gave him a few extra days, too, so <laughs> we're going to have fun with that. Congratulations on the uh, nuptials for his friend, his best man, and to his co-host. Yes, congratulations. So that, that's that's that'll awesome. Be, that'll be fun. Oh, my God. We're, we're getting so close to shouting these out too early because if it doesn't happen, we feel bad. Can't but wait for it to fall through on us. No, we're, 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 we're happy to have a guest. So that's next week. Mike, Sonic the Hedgehog gets fan backlash, and they will redesign Sonic. Yeah. We touched on it earlier. Yeah, but a lot of the stuff I have to say about it, we already said, but just to, to recap here, I can't uh, remember a time that Twitter, social media specifically, had such a great impact on a film before yeah, its do release. You, do you care about the power of social media being able to do this? It's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, yeah, it's really cool that, that they took it yeah. upon themselves and everyone shouted out, and there's a group out there, a big studio that's actually listening. That's cool. It's cool while we agree with it, right? Yes. Because that's true for everybody. That's just human nature. And it's cool in concept because 
I'm sure there are people with families in those studios, animators, that did not plan on having to redesign everything about this movie on uh, because Twitter got upset. You know what well, I mean? Think about it. You know, if if Marvel listened to all the backlash that eventually came against Captain Marvel, or the Last Jedi listened to backlash that eventually right. came against it, you know, that's stuff we don't agree with. Right. That's something that's more important. If a studio ever retracted a film that was going to do something. Yeah. For those reasons, definitely, you'd be upset. definitely a double-edged sword. And you all, you're, anytime you do this, where you're kind of listening to the critics and you're readjusting because of based on complaints, that's a tightrope. Uh, I don't know how I feel to be honest about it. I think I'd rather the studio just put their foot down and roll out with what they had. Yeah. That's how I. That's how it hits me anyway. We'll see. Maybe I could be totally wrong. Maybe this this rewrite and these readjusts and these reanimations totally change the movie for the better. And I hope they do. Um, but at the same time, this is yeah dangerous territory. I think it shouldn't go without saying. Look, I feel like every time a big story comes out or a big picture thing comes out that shakes the status quo, we're always like, or at least I always fear the change. But it's because for it to be good, you have to trust that big studios, multi-million dollar studios, are going to do the right and ethical thing, and they just do not. Well, There's they, no history to suggest they will. Yeah, they make the business decision. Right. I mean, that's their job And in the a business way. usually comes at the expense of the personal decision, you know? So yeah. that's, that's where my worry comes from. Unionize. If you're in a studio, go fucking unionize right now. Get a union yeah. going. Well, they, they do, but yeah. No. All right, let's move on. I guess we'll wrap up here this extra long MMOW <laughs> with an Oscar race update. Uh. <laughs> That's a proper sound effect. The Oscar goes to... And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... The winner is... The Oscar goes to... MMOW's Oscar race update. Mike, anything important happened with the Oscars this week? Yeah, a couple things with the festivals. The Cannes Film Festival, we're not surprised by this, thought but... thought it was Cannes. It is not. <laughs> They announced that uh, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, will be added to their competition lineup. We knew this was going to So happen. it has to win, right? If it's going to be taken seriously as the best picture contender, it better win cans, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah? not. No, no? in the All past. Right. I mean, we could do a deeper dive on this later. Yeah, it is a gut, gut call by me. I have nothing to back that up with. No, off I mean, top you're my head, right but... that, you know, Black Klansman wins and right. then it's a contender. I mean, that's the most recent example, but uh, you do have Tarantino films in the past winning as well. You do have a lot of Cannes Film Festival winners going on, but a lot of them go on to Golden Globe and not Oscar nominations. So, it's, it's, again, we just talked about a double edged sword. Happens sometimes, happens it doesn't. I thought it was kind of sneaky. I just smart. did a Yoda happens it doesn't what the hell do or do not or maybe don't who cares maybe don't that's the quote from Yoda uh I thought it was kind of a sneaky good idea for them to hide this until it's national premiere the only good that comes of this is more good praise right <laughs> yeah you're gonna get a little bit of a boost from winning can if you do win win the best the palm d'or there but is maybe that gonna confident. do a lot for a Tarantino movie at this point he's, he's confident he's confident in the movie he so should that's be good. that's a good, that's a good sign. sign yeah that's a good I think sign it's a good sign We'll see. Tarantino films can be taken many ways. I'm excited for it. I don't think there's anything that we, this could do to temper our expectations. So, so. All right. Well, what if the if they just hate it up there? Can you imagine? Well, that's the risk, and that's why I don't understand why you're exposing yourself to this. Because all your, I guess, no publicity is bad publicity when it comes to a Tarantino movie, right? If a Quentin Tarantino movie is going to piss people off and it's going to get overly negative reviews, that's still going to intrigue a lot of the viewing public, especially Oscar critics, to say, why? How is it that bad? And there's enough contrarians out there as it is that are going to say, well, if everybody hates it, I'm going to like it, and I will tell you why you're wrong. 
So maybe there's no bad side that comes to this anyway. I think it's a mistake. I would have just hidden it, and why not? Because Quentin Tarantino has nothing to prove to anyone at Mike, this point. Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We analyzed the zeitgeist. <laughs> we tried to, anyway. Like nobody else can. So that, no, that's fascinating. Uh, can also announce their closing film. It is the specials from director directors Olivier Nakache, I'm sorry, and Eric Toledano. Uh, they are the directors of The Intouchables, which was... Nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah, made almost not, a half a billion dollars. Not an Oscar. Real, a big hit overseas. It was remade into Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston's The Upside. Wah, wah. But up, The Upside made money. Wah, wah. I haven't seen it yet either. <laughs> so that's that's fascinating that you get a big name like this. So right away, right? Isn't that a spot? Isn't that a big knock against Tarantino? Shouldn't Tarantino's clothes can? I don't know if he does in the past. I mean, he ha- I guess he has. I- I'm not, I haven't been tracking You would things. think the Tarantino, Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie movie is going to be the reason everyone's there. I, perhaps, yeah, it is. Right? It I, is. I mean, I don't know. But but we're, not, we're not the international critics, so who knows how they how they lands to all of them over there. But I'll, just think, thinking as an Oscars critic, right. that's already, to me, that's a knock against Tarantino entering in Cannes at all. I don't remember if Black Klansman closed it, though, last year. I don't either. I don't so remember. maybe we don't know. So no. bottom line is our audience is screaming at us for do more research. <laughs> but also, I in my mind, you know, Spike Lee and Tarantino, they haven't closed every festival. Right. So, you know, an international film more likely closed the festival in my mind. Up in the French Riviera, Michael, that takes seven. You got it. Good job. I'm guessing more international films have closed the Cannes Film Festival is what I'm saying. Played on a uh, Black Klansman played on a Monday, right? At Cannes, there, so I don't think it closed. Your pronunciation is getting me angry now. Cannes has finally gotten me that's to a the hard point where a, it got me angry. and that's a hard S. I know we want to be an alt Oscar pod in some ways without using the word alt. Because I'm gonna give it can of soup. <laughs> You're ridiculous, <laughs> Mike Tribeca. The Tribeca Film Festival Awards just happened over the weekend. Burning Cane. Uh, won the Founders Award for U.S. Narrative. This is the Wendell Pierce film. Director Philip Humans, uh, and he wrote and directed it. What a jerk. Yeah, we're mad at him, right? <laughs> what a jerk. 19. 19 years old. <laughs> and he wins Tribeca. Good. I mean, this is awesome. This Good is for awesome. him. He's the youngest, obviously, director to win the Best Narrative Feature Award at Tribeca. He's the first black director to win the Best Narrative Feature. So our shattering glass ceilings all over the place. Well-deserved, well-earned. I can't wait to see this. Wendell Pierce has gotten rave reviews that I've seen from people that saw this movie already as well. Watched a clip online, yeah. which was interesting. I mean, it seems like a the movie set in church, which is... Uh, I don't know. I, I have... I have difficult feelings, you know, with church movies. I That's because you're a white Christian Italian. And no longer <laughs> one of those things. So, all right. So, amongst the cane you're fields... You're not Italian? <laughs> amongst the cane fields of rural Louisiana, an aging mother struggles between her religious convictions and the love of her son. So, it's kind of hitting what I'm worried about head on in, yeah. in many ways. But, you know, we just had uh, Boy Erased. True. Right. I mean, we've had. Which is these... a tough watch, and I. I'll they are. Them. Oh no, we've had the 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 Chloe Grace Moretz movie from last year, the Reformation of oh, yeah. uh, Miseducation. Miseducation. Post, yeah. So these movies, yes, they're tough watches, but they have had a bit of critical success, and they have had their fans. This one is obviously from a black POV, which is a different take on it, at True. least from what we've had historically or at least recently with these religious type Definitely. films. And again, 
It's, it's record breaking. Yeah. It's glass shattering, and and I'm excited to see it. I'm a big fan of Wendell Pierce, and it's a 19 year old director. So that narrative could have some legs. Yeah, We've absolutely. Got a 19 year old filmmaker breaking through. Imagine. Let's just say, play this out right for a second. This guy wins, goes nominated for the Academy Award for Best Director. Yeah. If he wins the Academy Award for Best Director, and Jordan Peele, Bo Burnham, Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, these guys didn't. My God, Tar- you beat Tarantino and Scorsese <laughs> up there. Holy cripe. I mean. There's a ways to go before we get anywhere close to that. We understand that. But just extrapolating this story out, that would be something. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited to see this, certainly. House of Hummingbird won the Best International Feature. We talked about that in trailer Mm -hmm. thoughts there. We had Scheme Birds won winning Best Documentary as her childhood turns into motherhood. Teenage troublemaker Gemma comes of age in her fading Scottish steel town, but in a place where you either get knocked, knocked up or locked up, innocent games can easily turn into serious crime. Something I've noticed. Yeah. The old Betty Davis movies, the old Hollywood movies, they had... They write letters and then they don't send them. (laughs) That's exactly what it was. No, they have these these plots that, you know, they do... A plot about a letter, right? Yeah. So they used to have these these movies that were made by studios that were kind of noirs or crime, murder mysteries, etc. It seems like every independent film or smaller film now is some sort of coming-of-age film. I just realized that's kind of... That's unique. Everyone's trying to tell their story. I get that. It, it seems to translate easily. But it's just fascinating to me that the the films that people start off with are always some kind of life, autobiographical, coming-of-age type movie and not really telling a story, per se. Or they just based it on the lyrics of Michael Sembello's Maniac. <laughs> That was the terrible joke that was just sitting there. It was just sitting there. Steel Town Yeah, I got you. All right. Time of her life. Obviously. I'm trying to make a grand point about movie making. You did make a grand point, but this isn't really. All right. I couldn't help myself. Scheme Birds. It's probably going to be my number one movie of the year now. Out of sheer guilt, because it has a wonderful, heartwarming, serious premise. And my co-host got out of Soapbox and went at you. Trying to enlighten people. And I'm just... And you want Dirty Dancing, or whatever that movie was, Flashdance. Not even the best dance movie of the 80s. <laughs> Michael, I'm, gonna, I'm about to do something else that is just paltry and ridiculous. Right. I'm going to just list off a bunch of titles that won awards. Just to get them on your radar, we will preview them more thoroughly down the road. We have Initials SG, we have The Key, Swallow, Blow the Man Down, our time machine blocks the gasoline thieves and Noah land. So look out for those. Getting excited. We're getting back. You know, it is May. We're getting to a point now where it's, it's time to rev up the Oscar machine once again. And that'll be coming up as the summer comes and maybe some of these independent titles or something we'll hear about and make a, make a case for. We hope so. And finally the audience awards at Tribeca plus one, Uh, plus one is the title. In order to survive a summer of wedding fever, longtime single friends Ben and Alice agree to be each other's plus one at every wedding they're invited to. This is, this is, a, coming of, this is a coming of age type thing again. Yeah. yeah, well, a lot of movies are that way. Yeah. They're made by young filmmakers who have hopes and dreams still. Ed Begley Jr. is in plus one. I love Ed Begley Jr. <laughs> 
and of course gate chorus deep south won the audience award for best documentary and that's uh, something that's something i would say keep your eye on i would definitely say documentary's got a lot of room to play the only documentary that's come out thus far that we think has academy legs is apollo 11 which isn't even really a documentary uh so much as an event so uh, it's it's there's a lot of room to play with that documentary feature and like i said it is may we're getting towards the halfway point of 2019 already even though it seems like we just fucking did the oscars yeah so we're gonna have to start filling in these slots and start talking about it and it's gonna be a horse race there's gonna be plenty of oscars race what we call horse race coverage from us coming up because that's our bread and butter this is a big horse race this past weekend too mike I didn't watch. This was the first time. I, we didn't even talk oh, about didn't it. Watch we watching. This Derby. is the first time in like 15 or 16 years I didn't watch the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. And it was the first time ever. It was actually interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's always interesting for the hats, though, Mike. Whatever. <laughs> uh, we want to hear are you excited about any of these? And keep up to date with what we have going on in our MMO. I know we're throwing a lot of episodes at you guys lately. And we're covering a lot of different things. We have our Pixar series rewatch. We have two episodes of that coming out this week. Yes. We have a bunch of Oscar sprint profiles on the horizon horizon and reviews that we're going to be doing we're going to start another rewatch series not yet but soon it's on the horizon uh we don't want to reveal that yet but you can probably guess as to where we're leaning we've talked about it a little bit so there's a lot of stuff coming up for mmo there's a lot of stuff coming out uh for hopefully the website which god willing look don't even worry about the website anymore all right <laughs> we'll start writing stuff in notes and we'll just post the notes to twitter and that'll be our website from now on because <laughs> this thing is becoming it's it's become it's a monster unto itself and i hate it and i hate technology it's just the two of us i hate everyone i couldn't figure it out for a long time now you can't figure it out for a long time and we keep passing it back and forth i don't like it you don't like it we're gonna do something with the website that'll be a nice little catalog for you of all our stuff and at, at least, least that at yes. least it'll be that yeah now, are we gonna do the reviews and every i think we are gonna dabble in some of that and we also got big yeah. plans for others other mediums yeah. essentially and we got more guests coming on more reviews to do so keep in tune keep in touch and, and we want to hear your questions comments concerns you can shout us out on social media we're mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram mmn oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on uh what are we on here what are we talking about reddit reddit there we go that's yeah. the one i couldn't remember we're also available everywhere you hear podcasts tune in stitcher soundcloud itunes spotify google play etc etc just type in mike mike and oscar you'll see our smiling cartoon faces waving back at you michael mmn W for Tuesday apparently means we're going to go 90 minutes. So uh, you got any words of wisdom that people are sick of hearing our voices already? The thing is, we wanted to get really good at podcasting <laughs> before we did the website thing. And I don't know if any of that happened. That is a but fruitless endeavor. <laughs> we're having fun with the podcasting 89% of the time, I would say. I think yes. That's an accurate number. We've talked Scientific. about being 100% accurate, but 80... Yeah, I mean, a lot of time it's work, but uh, some of the time it's work, but we, we had a blast with Avengers coverage, a blast so far with the Pixar coverage. I know we both watched some Pixar movies over the weekend. Yep. Really loved it. We're going to have some hot takes on Finding Nemo yeah. coming up. Yeah. I got some hot takes on Finding Nemo. Mike just had some hot takes on The Incredibles. Yeah. And we're obviously we're covering those from different angles. So stay tuned. A lot of cool stuff. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to our Endgame review with Nick Money. That was a lot of fun. And Nick brought awesome. up a lot of a lot of interesting points that we uh, hadn't thought about. And otherwise. join the watch party at IGN over there. I, wa- I yeah. watched that last night before and after Game of Thrones uh, episode four. So you, you watch IGN's watch party. All right, guys. Have a good week. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be with you in a couple days. See ya.